you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. There you go. When the Iron Lady sings, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the big show. We certainly appreciate you guys being here. As always, the Chris Voss Show, the family that loves you but doesn't judge you, at least not as harshly as your mother-in-law, because, you know, she wanted you to, she wanted her daughter to date the other guy, not you. But, you know, you'll get over it. Work on it. Just be better. That's what she keeps DMing me in, in Snapchat. So anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. As always, we bring you the CEOs, the billionaires, the multimillionaires, the people who are the White House presidential advisors, the Pulitzer Prize winners, the astronauts, the U.S. ambassadors, you name it. They've been on our show. We even had governors on here and Congress members. Can you believe that? We actually let those folks on. Actually, we had some really great governors and wonderful Congress members on. So, you know, we tease the politicians because they're politicians. Somebody's got to tease them. Keep them in line. There you go. Anyway, guys, we bring you the most amazing folks on the show and their amazing stories that can inspire you and give you what we call the Chris Voss Show Glow. It's a wonderful thing that I keep in my cup every day. It's actually just coffee, really, but it's the Chris Voss Show globe and uh, and uh, you join that elite crowd so we ask that you share that message with your friends neighbors or relatives remember you have to keep five people in your downline the chris voss show is kind of like an mlm you don't have to buy any products but you do have to have five people in your dm <laughs> go to goodreads.com for chess chris voss youtube.com for chess chris voss linkedin.com for chess chris voss the great chris voss what is it the chris voss newsletter over there on linkedin and the hundred thirty thousand linkedin group as well that thing's crazy stuff we have and they i'm just stupefied as to what to say he's just so amazing brigham dallas joins us on the show today he is the founder and owner of hello sugar there you go and he is basically hello sugar is a brazilian wax and sugaring franchise based in phoenix arizona he has a unique and technology focused approach that has made hello sugar one of the best companies in the nation and one of the fastest growing franchises in the country with 76 units in just two years and i believe those are franchise units that's pretty amazing he's revolutionizing the industry welcome to the show Brigham. how are you hey chris thanks for having me on the show i'm doing really well thanks for coming as well and those are 76 units those are franchise units is that correct do i have that right yeah we have 76 units in the franchise there's 14 corporate stores in phoenix as well there you go so welcome to the show give us your dot coms where can people find you on the interwebs wherever your website is etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah i mean if you look up look me up on tiktok brigham dallas I always share some like business tips and stuff on there but mainly if you're interested in franchising or learning more about us you go to hellosugar.salon, not .com, hellosugar.salon, and you can find all the information on there about franchising with us or just to learn more about the company. There you go. And I see your tips over here on the big tickety-tockety over there. So give us a 30,000 overview in your words of what you guys do there at Hello Sugar. Yeah, so we're a Brazilian waxing and sugaring company. It's a competitive market. There's four to six really big competitors in the space. Mm-hmm. So we've had to do a lot to stand out from others. Waxing in general, I don't know if you've been waxed yourself, but it's very painful. 
I don't know how women, they can, they can put hot wax on their body. They can go through this, but they're still scared of a fly or a spider. It doesn't make any sense to me, but that's who our market is typically is 20 to 40 year old females. We also have others Mm -hmm. in the market, but that's like our main demographic Mm -hmm. and uh, people that do it, do it once a month. They Mm -hmm. come in, there's a wax, a Brazilian wax is, if you can think like a bikini area, it's the front and the back of the bikini. We do full body, but that's 80 to 90% of what we do is full body is Brazilian waxing for males and females. Mm. There you go. Yeah. The service. Why why do people uh, need those? Why is that important? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Chris, I'm being honest with you. It's not what you think. You know, you probably think, Mm -hmm. what are you thinking? What what do you think people get a wax? I, they, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I grew up in the seventies, so, you know, there was a lot of bush going on out there. There's a lot of, a lot of of fromage. fromage? (laughs) There's a lot of shrubbery. That was the word I was looking for shrubbery. And uh, sometimes a little much, you know, you're, you're like trying to, you know, it's, you have to take a machete in there to try and find what you're looking for. I don't know what that would be, but that's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, not we're not speaking from experience here, right? I I have no idea. I no I, idea. I I I cannot confirm nor deny. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I used to think it was just bikinis going to the beach, uh, mm-hmm. but that's not waxing yeah, at all. Good. Yeah, we have just as much revenue in the wintertime in like ski resort areas as we do in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Really? And so the people that wax are people in relationships. People who want to be clean down in that area who just want. Mm-hmm. To have a smooth feeling you can't get from shaving or from other methods. There you go. Plus, you know, you know, it gives you more aerodynamicness, right? <laughs> you can feel more free. Your farts will never be louder, Chris. You can you can move at a higher speed. I don't know what that means, but yeah, you know, when you're when you're speed walking, you know, at the gym, you can pick up an extra probably I don't know mile or two or something. I don't know what it means. For sure. You know, dry coefficient drops incredibly. So Brazilian wax is a big deal. People want it. I remember, I remember I had one girlfriend one year that she got the laser thing for her legs. Yeah. And that, that was really harsh. I think her legs were screwed up for a while. It really burned the hell out of her skin. So, you know, I imagine using wax might be a little safer. I don't know what's safer or not. I want to get into that. I don't know what attorney's calling me. But so you guys do this. How long have you been doing this for? So I started the company in 2015. I started franchising mm-hmm. in 2021. There you go. So what? give us a little bit of your origin story. What, what, what was your history? How did you become an entrepreneur? What made you interested in it? Were you just sitting there having a Brazilian wax one day and you're like, I should turn this into a business? No, not at all, man. I honestly, no interest in waxing. I don't wax myself. It wasn't something that was just like, I'm just super passionate about this business and need to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my origin story is I, in, the, in my twenties, I dropped out of college and moved to a beach in Thailand and mm-hmm. just traveled for six years, lived out of a suitcase and just had this like digital nomad life for a long time. Wow. So I've lived in a lot of countries, speak languages, learned a lot of cool things. It's kind of like the nomadic dream kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was doing it through online advertising. And mm-hmm. so um, like 26-ish, 27, I got asked to come to Phoenix to advertise for this company. And they were selling diet pills. And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? <clears throat> I come mm-hmm. down there and it's so scammy, Chris. I mean, it's like, it's like <laughs> fake pills. They don't work. We're just selling whatever it is. And I just, I hated oh, wow. it. I yeah. hated the unethical side of this. And I wanted to do something that, I just didn't like that, right? So mm-hmm. I said to myself, I need... $5,000 a month just to, to be able to live and I can quit this job in this unethical field and go do my own thing like 
some other way of pivoting. Mm-hmm. Go back to traveling, right? There you go. So I started a one-room studio. I didn't have much money. I mean, I, I didn't need much to live as a nomad, right? Mm-hmm. And so I had, you know, I put $3,000 into this. I found a friend of mine who was a plastic surgeon, Dr. Mosharafa, and he had an extra room with a table in there. Mm-hmm. And so I went in, set up the shop there. And I, there's a couple of things about the business, Chris, I really liked. I like the broad market, you know, it can apply to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I like that there's recurring revenue. And I like that the cost of the service is very high. And the time that it takes to do a service is very low. So mm-hmm. in a given hour, you can make between $150 to $200 revenue per room. And then the actual cost of the wax itself is like three bucks really? a wax. That's yeah. pretty good. Hey, I'm quitting this business. I'm going into Brazilian <laughs> waxing. Come on down, Chris. <laughs> good deal, man. What the yeah. hell am I doing wrong? Yeah. Now, do I have to wear a helmet during this? No, I'm just kidding. So go ahead with the rest of your story and get that joke yeah. in there. Yeah. So like I started, I had no idea what I was doing. The first year, it was just about market understanding and, and differentiation. So what I did was I... I, f- I found a bunch of reviews online of all the competitors. Mm. And I found out that the thing that most people wanted in this business was to feel comfortable. Mm. So I said, okay, I'm going to make a business about feeling comfortable. And I put onto Facebook three different ads. Yeah, European Wax is the biggest competitor. They're all like high fashion. So I put an ad out for like high fashion stuff to see how that would do. I did a beachy themed ad and I did an ad with a, a girl who was larger, heavy set mm-hmm. in a bikini. And they call this thing a fat kini. It's the name they made it. I didn't make that name, but it's just, just to give you an idea, it was just a larger heavy set girl. She looked beautiful. She was a really classy, elegant person. And that person got three times the engagement of everything else. So I was like, really? okay, we want real women. We want women to feel comfortable. I'm going to hire people that help people feel comfortable. They're going to become your best friend right away. I'm going to do all mm-hmm. kinds of positive sentiment and positive imagery in the salons. You look good today. You deserve the world. I'm going to, I'm going to really emphasize this brand of making people feel comfortable. So for the next five years, that's what we did. We built a brand on feeling comfortable, proved the concept out. And I said, you know, I I think this is something I could take nationally. And in 2021, we we started the journey for the franchising. So when you say feeling comfortable, is that like a customer service sort of attention, detail, making people feel welcome? You know, I mean, you're kind of are putting them through a bit of a for a very short time, painful procedure, I guess. But other than that, making them feel like, you know, they're taking care of the customer basically. Yeah. I mean, you got a couple touch points before they come into the salon. So you got emails and texts that go out and we're going to use body positivity during the text. Hello, gorgeous or Hey sugar. Uh, And we're going to then on all the, all the advertisements we do, all the emails and everything, we're going to use real women, larger people. We use different ethnicities. So like from the whitest of white skin to the darkest of black and everything in between are going to be on our, our, our advertisements. And then when they get in, this is really important, Chris, we, we do a personality test with all of our hirees and -hmm. we make sure that they're the type of people that they become your best friend the minute you walk in the room. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause you're naked on the table. Will they loan you money? No, they won't loan you money, man. I I don't think they have. That's not a very good friend. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) We have to do the jokes here. It's a, it's a law evidently that, that are they. Yeah, they they actually hold one of my dogs hostage throughout most of the show, and uh, and if I don't do jokes, then bad things will happen. To I don't. I'm just kidding. It's really can't, dark. Can't mess with Fluffy. You gotta keep so, Fluffy alive and happy. Gotta keep Fluffy alive. Then and, and refer the show to your family, friends, or relatives, or Fluffy gets it. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding, man. What kind of show is this? So you you have something called sugaring, 
versus yeah. waxing. What is that? I've never heard that term before. I've heard the waxing term. Yeah, sugaring is an organic form of hair removal. So it's oh really? Yeah, it's it's organic. It doesn't hurt your skin as much. It oh, lasts right. just as long as waxing does. So it hurts less. It hurts less than waxing. That sounds. Anything that hurts less is fine by my book because I'm not going right. to pain pain yeah. needles or doctors or anything like that. So sugaring is it like a what does it look like? Because I have this idea of you're sprinkling powdered sugar all over the area and then, I don't know, whatever. So what what, is what does the sugaring look like? Does it look like the wax? Or? Imagine honey. It looks just like honey. It's honey, really? It's literally water hey. and lemon juice. That's all it's made out of. It's just, it looks like honey. There you go. Honey. Yeah. There you go. And it's, it's, why is it less painful than waxing? And Oh, gosh. We're going into the, we're going into the real. Well, I, mean, we, I don't have so, to read the 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 white paper but give us this yeah 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 well you know doc, dr brigham here here we go your hair hurts when it comes out because you have a, a really thick bulb of hair underneath the skin that's trying to oh. push to the surface of the skin your hair grows in a certain direction so if you look at your hair it's probably growing let's say towards your head or away from your head in a certain direction when you wax you pull the hair opposite direction of growth when you sugar you pull it with the direction of growth so oh. it's not stretching the skin as much as it's coming out of the bowl. The bowl is coming oh, out of the surface of the skin. Mm -hmm. And it usually leads to a cleaner process. Because imagine if you know, like a blade of grass was going the opposite direction of mm -hmm. the hair growth. It's going to break sometimes. So the bulb doesn't break as much. So you get fewer ingrowns and it's like less painful because of that. Mm. There you go. Well, sugaring. There you go. And is that unique to what you guys do? Is there a lot of other companies that are competing with you on that? Sugaring is not something that other companies are doing right now. There's there there's a go. few, but you know, in market mm -hmm. share wise, it's probably 15% of the business. And wow. it was Chris was serendipitous. The name Hello Sugar just was something that was about making women feel comfortable. Yeah. And everyone called us and we're like, Do you guys sugar? Do you guys sugar? And we're like, what is that? Like, no, I don't we don't sugar. And then eventually we're like, we gotta start offering this. And now half of our business is sugaring. There you go. Well, yeah. I'm glad it works for you. I tried using that line multiple times in bars to pick up girls. And, uh, <laughs> I always had drink thrown in my face. Hello, sugar. Oh, okay. <laughs> Doesn't work right. today. Maybe Goodbye, in the 70s. Sugar. Yeah. That's, it was also in the 70s, yeah. Oh, shoot. But, yeah. Most of the sugaring we did in the 70s, though, at Area 51 was a different type of sugar. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Let's go. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. Mick Jagger. Big Jagger sort of sugar. There's a lot of mirrors and razor blades. Anyway, moving on. You guys ah. also have the Brazilian enzyme treatment. Is that unique to you guys or? No, I mean, that's like, so look, Chris, like the thing, the thing about waxing, mm -hmm. it's not like we're reinventing the wheel or anything. There's nothing, mm -hmm. there's nothing special about the end result. When you leave our salon, you're going to leave hairless just like everybody else. The oh. secret sauce is going to be the way you treat the people when they're in there the mm -hmm. kind of products you use, like the wax and sugar and stuff, the enzyme treatment. I don't, I think others do it as well. Now th this, this will interest you, interest you, Chris. Yeah. The enzyme treatment is about, it, it was made, made from the vajacial. So the facial for the vagina. That's basically. Oh, the vajacial. I see. Uh, I, this is why I do the show. I learn stuff all day long. Yeah. So we, we want to be more classy. So we call it the okay. enzyme treatment. Oh, okay. And we all, we also do something that you you might be interested in, Chris. It's a Brazilian intimate lightening, which is, in other less classy terms, anal bleaching. Oh, yeah, I've I've seen that on Howard Stern. That's yeah. I learned about I learned about that on Howard Stern years ago. Yeah, yeah the anal bleaching. Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, do we really need to explain why people need that, or is that pretty obvious? I think maybe. Ah, uh, you know, yeah, it was in Vegas. It was made popular by the like porn stars. 
And when I guess when when you get older, women they get older, hormones set in, and it gets darker mm. into the areas down in that area of the skin. Now it doesn't matter yeah. what you bleed; it could be the front or the backside. But yeah, it's just something that they wanted to keep the same uniform skin type, and so that became something. There you go. You know, yeah. I mean, I when I usually do when I usually do my anal bleaching or my or my bikini waxing, I just use WD forty. Is that w- is that wrong? Oh, yeah, it's a lot cheaper. A lot cheaper. cheaper. It burns though. There's a lot of burning, and yeah, and the ER says I can't do it anymore. But I mean, it seemed pretty effective at the time. I can't feel my left nut, but <laughs> know, that could be another problem. But yeah, maybe I don't recommend that. What about what about you know? One of the problems I have as an old man is I as I carry my grandfather's curse when I was young. I used to tease him about his ear and nose hair, and and I used, and he would used to say to me, "You just you just wait till you're my age." And now I am, and I have nose hair and ear hair that can grow unlike yeah. any hair on earth. Up with that. It's, the yeah, I don't, it's, hair. it's, a, it's my grandfather's crazy. curse. Yeah. So one day I'll just look up and there's like, there's like a whole shrubbery going out the side of my head off my ear. And, you know, people, of course, that are bald, <laughs> can't grow hair, receding hairlines are like hating me. And I'm like, geez, I got more hair on my ear this last week than you do on your head. And they're just like, <laughs> fuck. So there you go. So do you guys do any of the nose, nose waxing, ear, whatever? I don't know. Yeah, full body, man. Full body. We'll take full care body. of Full body. There you go. Men as well. We'll do Brazilian waxing for men. For me to do a full body hair removal, you're going to need one of those riding lawnmowers. That's all I can say. <laughs> I have a lot of hair. But, you know. It's, it beats not, but a lot of people like this sort of thing. So what are you, so you built this out to 14, you have 14 of you guys' own units and then you're yeah. franchising the rest. How did you fund getting these units up and going when yeah. you didn't have any money to start with? Yeah, I had no money. My first salon, $3,000 and we're up in two wow. months and running. So wow. that seems like a little counterintuitive when you think about the industry. The industry right now, if you want to do a salon, it's $400,000 to open one. Woo. And it takes a year to build a salon out. From start to wow. finish, it will take you one year. Wow. So, so how were you able to do it with 3000 and you know? In two months, yeah. yeah. So I had a friend that was a plastic surgeon, and he let me put a salon in the back of his Oh, that's right. Salon. You said, yeah, you told us that thing. So that's how you built it out. You you worked off of his business. Because one of the challenges with this sort of business is it's brick and mortar. So you got to, yeah. normally you'd have to get a lease. You know, you sign that for five years and hope three to five years or whatever and hope the business works. Yeah. Um, you know, Personal location, industry. location. So that's pretty innovative what you did. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you got you to gotta be creative when you don't have any money. So mm-hmm. I, I basically put it in the back of his plastic surgeon office. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I was there for about six or eight months testing out the market, figuring if it's going to work. And then once I felt confident about the business and I felt like, hey, I'm profitable, I'm making money. I mm-hmm. transitioned that one room studio into an actual 1200 square foot brick and mortar unit. Wow. And you probably, you probably didn't make in, you know, because you had gone in a low cost, you know, we started our first two companies. I wrote about this in my book, our first company in 93, we started yeah. with $2,000 and of course, a lot of sweat equity. <laughs> we were doing a delivery service. So there really wasn't a product inventory thing other than just get in the car and deliver the stuff. And because we'd started with such an inexpensive cost, you know, all the profits were able to go right into our growth. And, you know, not having that debt just really helps you scale. And then a year and a half later, we started our mortgage company with $4,000. And of course, that scaled into multimillionaire companies. But having that, and I know what that's like, not having, you know, massive debt and 
any cash that comes in the business, if you know you're not using it to buy top ramen, you can. So he did. You can take and use it to scale the business, and then you can hire people and grow. And it sounds like that's what you really did with your model. Yeah. So for five years, I mean, that's exactly right. I would I would start a salon suite similar to mm-hmm. that one in the plastic surgeon's office. It would cost me less than ten thousand to build it out. I would build it run it, get it profitable, and then find a location later on that would wow. allow me to have a bigger footprint. You know, And by mm-hmm. the time I opened the bigger footprint, I was you know, secure enough to know that it was going to be profitable and work. And if the mm-hmm. location just wasn't really doing it, I mean, these things are cheap to build, right? So it was one of those things I could just keep as a suite while I focus on other markets to build like the flagships out. So you're using the market test as well then? To yeah, test an area, to test an area of of, you know, is this locale good? Because location is everything too. You know, they always say in retail or, you know, brick and mortar location, location, location. It's yeah. so true. You can, I mean, if you put your business in the wrong strip mall that isn't facing the street or, you know, it, it's, it's somehow buried, you know, I always love the people that they, there's some restaurant that goes out of business because it's obviously the location that sucks. Either the, it, it's a hidden sort of strip mall or it's around the corner and, you know, people can't see it, which is usually bad from the road. And and so people just keep going in and, and putting up new restaurants in the same restaurant. They keep going out of business and you're like, it's the location, buddy. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what you put there. It's a turd. Uh, so I like, I like that idea. And this is a real important lesson that you've given to people. You know, so many people, they, they, you know, they approach me and like, Hey, Chris, I want some ideas. I want to go into business. I'm like, okay, what is it? Okay, great. Well, I need to raise like, you know, 50,000, hundred thousand, you know, and they're probably thinking along the mindset of some of your competitors that were out there in the marketplace, for example, you know, thinking of just going and doing a facility where you, number one, got your market fit, you got your market made sure that you had your widget right in reselling it as we like to think of it because a CEO taught me this a long time ago. He goes, Chris, take and get that widget to work. And once you can get that widget to work and you, you can scale some, you can put some profitability in there. And, you know, pretty much at that point, once you get everything, the right formula, all you have to do is scale it and then everything will come together, but you got to get the widget right first. Yeah. And so that's what you're doing. And so that's really brilliant because a lot of people have excuses on why they can't start a business. Oh, I don't have the big, I don't have money. I don't have a rich uncle. You know, like I said, I've started several multimillionaire companies with chump change. It's freaking insane what you can do. And, and the power that you have when you can be profitable is, is enormous. So, so you've scaled this up now. You built this up to 14 units. When did you move into franchising and, and what do you, what sort of things did you ever overcome in building out franchising? Yeah, that's a big question. In 2020, when COVID hit is when we mm-hmm. decided to go into franchising. It was oh, like around that time. And that was actually when I got the economics right on the company. So we were too cheap for the first five years. We were underpricing mm-hmm. competitors, hoping to gain the business of people that wanted a cheaper service. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the right move. And so then, then COVID hits and, you know, the price of gloves, we have to have gloves when we wax vaginas. The price okay. of gloves were out of the roof expensive. The price of sticks, like the tongue depressors, you know, the tongue depressors, they became super expensive. Yeah. And the price of Cavicide, which is a product that we use to wipe the table, it's like a kills AIDS. It's like the most high level Clorox you could buy. I use it when I shower. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you get good. I sweat a lot. There's yeah, a lot of body hair, as we established earlier. Well, you look great. You look great. You're great. <laughs> So those things became, the neck up. <laughs> yeah, those things became super expensive. 
Mm-hmm. So we decided there's no way we can keep business if you know we're running at this rate. So I raised my prices from $39 a wax for a membership to $49 a wax for a membership. Mm-hmm. And it was like a 20% raise. And everything just started to flow perfectly from there on out. I had enough oh, money wow. to train properly. I had enough money to put like really nice things in the salons to invest in tech for the reception. Everything started to work after that, like at a really mm-hmm. great rate because I had the profits to do so. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big lesson for entrepreneurs. It's like, we always think that we have to be competitive on price, but when I raised my prices, we came back into business after COVID and people didn't blink about the raise in price. It was just mm-hmm. yeah, it was part of business. And it was crazy. Mm-hmm. I raised them a lot. I mean, it was a 20% raise. That is a lot. And sometimes you, if you raise it too much, it's kind of a shock to the system of your clients, but evidently they loved the service, the ambiance, the, you know, you hired right for the right people that can make friends yeah. with people, you know, the relationship, people pay extra for a good relationship. I'll pay extra for good food and a great waiter. And yeah. Yeah. Especially on this service where it's like intimate, it's something that hurts. So you want somebody that does it right. Yeah. So we're moving into franchising and, you know, I, I had this thought, I said, okay, how much could I sell my business for? Well, three mm-hmm. to five apps. That's the typical price of a brick and mortar business. Well, European in 2018, they sold their business for $450 million to a private equity group. So mm-hmm. well, how is that possible? Well, they had a franchise. So they sold the franchise in an 18X multiple. And so I started looking at this and I was like, okay, if I could just package the business differently as a franchise, mm-hmm. I could go from a three to five X to an 18X multiple. Ah, that was the mean. thought. Yeah. It wasn't as easy. Like it, that was a stupid thought. Now that I'm looking back on it, this was like the most impossible hard thing that I've ever done. Franchising mm-hmm. is extremely difficult and you've really got to have the right business to be able to do it. Uh, but it worked out for us. And actually for us, it was, it was a good position. And, you know, we just had the perfect storm. You know, having taught at BYU, I had a lot of my old students that were brilliant students. They came on, they became my first franchisees, had proof of concept. You know, they, they were doing well and successful. And so they, other people were able to come on with it. And we were just figuring it out as we went, but we had a really good team behind us to help us get through that first initial phase. And because we were able to pull people fast without having to give the money to franchise like marketing groups, we could mm-hmm. keep the fees low. We could build our system faster, which means more royalty royalties are coming in. Yeah. And because it only takes us, we do the suite to flagship concept, just like I did in my first store, you know, a suite mm-hmm. costs us 50,000 to open to 60,000 to open two months to open it. Now we're getting royalties from two months in. It's like a lot faster. So we were able to like expand without having to take one to $2 million in debt to fund the franchise. While, while wow. Dude, you are, you are, you're kicking ass and taking names. You're, you're doing really good for, this is your first business really. Is that correct? The first big business. Yeah. I mean, it okay. puts around with other things, but this so, is, uh, so you had a little warm up and you did the little practice things to kind of get in the gears. Yeah, I mean, when I was running my digital ads agency, which is how I was traveling the whole time, I was Mm -hmm. seeing a lot of other businesses and like seeing how they operated. So I I think that was a good learning ground for me to learn how to run a business. There you go. So you know, this is what a lot of entrepreneurs do. They 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 muck about with the with stuff. They test. They sometimes they try a few things, and then sometimes you know, it's just maybe you just have to find the right thing, or you you know, that's what we did. You know, we mucked around with a lot of little things, and then. All of a sudden, you know, lights went on and what we were doing. And, and of course we had to guide it and stuff, but it sounds like, it sounds like it's turning out really well for you. I can see that you guys have a ton of locations all over. You've got Oregon, Idaho, Utah, Colorado, 
Arizona, Vegas, Vegas, baby. You got to be in Vegas. Got Florida, North Carolina, all the way up the East Coast there, and then Massachusetts, and all that good stuff. I'm in Utah right now. Maybe I'll go in for, it looks like you're on your website, you offer free bikini wax. Maybe I'll go in for one. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not happening. I'm that's not, uh, I'm, women have a higher tolerance of pain than I do. So there you go. Yeah. Um, me too. I mean, they date me, so I know that they have a higher tolerance of pain. <laughs> so there you go. But it sounds like you're you're kicking ass and taking names, dude. And 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 did did the COVID slow you down at all? You know, I know a lot of people weren't coming into shops and stuff. How'd that work? How'd you get through COVID? Well, luckily we're in Arizona, so we had five weeks when we were out. We used mm-hmm. the five weeks to recalibrate. We mm-hmm. raised our prices, like I said. And then one thing that really helped us: what we built before COVID, we do mm-hmm. all of. If you call Hello Sugar today. It will mm-hmm. say, we're exclusively through text message. As soon as you hang up, we're going to text you. Really? Yeah. And then we hired a team overseas to do all of our texting. So we didn't want to have the awkward you know, accents and stuff. Yeah. But we can create the like language through macros, like pre-scripted oh. stuff. And there's only a couple ways to skin a cat and reschedule people. And so yeah. we had a full <laughs> team overseas doing all the scheduling. And when COVID came back in, like when we were able mm-hmm. to start up again, Mm-hmm. everyone calls you know european and all these competitors and they're like they're bombarded just like we yeah. were yeah. they couldn't get through but they got through to us and we would just say hey we're gonna we're gonna take your your text just give us a little bit to you know get to you you're in the queue we'll we'll get a time for you and we had i remember we had every receptionist full 12 to 13 hour days for a week straight just booking appointments from all the different people trying to get into the salons mm-hmm. not just from our company but from others and so we really mm-hmm. built our our clientele fast because we were because because we we're the only ones that they could communicate with at the time. Yeah, you know that's really freaking brilliant. I've I my my uh, the place I get my pet supplies for my dogs. They always assist on texting and they like texting and scheduling their uh, if you want your dog's nails done or yeah. uh, grooming or something. And I, I'm kind of old world, so I find it a little bit irritating, but it it, it works. So I'm kind of like okay, well, fine, whatever. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit you know, waiting for the phone to ring and blah, 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 blah. But if you call them, they tell you, you know, hey, can you text us? And we want to do that that way. But then once you have this set up, you kind of almost have like a relationship going. And yeah. it, it, so many of the new groups like that, my my testosterone clinic that just switched to it and they switched to it, I think last week or the week before. And so now I actually get a text that reminds me of, hey, are you going to be here on Friday and do your thing? And yeah. You answer that and check in. Which is, is kind of good. It's kind of nice to have because it's not like I'd forget it. But you know, it's good to it's good to ha- hey make sure that's on the plan. You know, we of course we have with the Chris Voss show. We have, I guess technically we have a texter through Calendly, where Calendly mm-hmm. annoys the hell out of all of our guests and says, "Hey, make sure you show up, eh?" And uh, you miss and, it. Sh- and shave and get a Brazilian wax too, as it is. You're mentioning you're mentioning earlier skin a cat. That's the also the term that I use for Brazilian waxing. <laughs> Not sure what that means, but I had to get that joke in there. So it sounds, you know, and maybe this is the future. Come to think of it, maybe I'm just not realizing it. But what you're doing there with the customer service and texting, you know, can simplify things. Because yeah, I mean, in the old days, I've seen switchboards lit up. You know, I used to have those giant switchboard yeah. machines that cost you know hundred thousand dollars and it's got 50 trillion lines and you know it's you got you gotta wire it to bob extension 107 and crap yeah and yeah that's that's a bit much and if you're getting that sort of volume you know and and i think a lot of employees aren't into answering phones anymore either 
that's kind of yeah. a start. Yeah, um, you're gonna get like less quality employees. You know, if, if they're just yeah. on the phone all day, that's really yeah. annoying. Yeah. So, so it was 2019, and we were doing texting and calls, and mm-hmm. we were missing 60 percent of the calls that came in. Holy crap! Yeah, because yeah, if you're if you're slammed, you know, it you're you're getting a busy signal, so they're gonna call somebody else. Exactly. Right? And so I said to myself, I would rather have less customer service for the people that have to take the phone than miss 60%. And I made the switch entirely to texting and people thought I was crazy. They're like, there's no way this is going to work. I'm like, we're going to figure it out. We'll we'll make this work. Mm -hmm. And now like Chris is so crazy. We invested this year, 250,000 into AI sentiment-based texting. Mm -hmm. And so AI is run on large language learning models, right? So it's it's a repository that it can take information from. So we give it a facts, like a frequently asked questions, like repository that we've built in house. And then it, it does crazy things. It's, oh my gosh, I just got in a car wreck. I won't be able to make my appointment today. And it knows to use empathy, say something about the car wreck, and then ask them to get rescheduled right after. Really? Yeah. It's crazy. That is extraordinary. Yeah. Or, hey, I'm really nervous. And, and then we have responses and it's based on our repository. So our thing is it hurts less here. That's like our brand. And mm-hmm. so I'll look at the repository and I'll say, oh, I, don't be nervous. It's okay. We're going to find the right product for your skin. And, you know, our estheticians are trained on pain management because it hurts less here. And then like it goes through and like weaves our brand into the narrative. Can we get you scheduled right away? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And yeah, I think it works a whole lot better with, with text yeah. and stuff. There's a, there's one company I have naked nutrition that I buy all my proteins from and they, they make a really clean, uh, simple, very few ingredients product. Very, you know, everything's, everything's super clean. Not all that, not junks, not fillers, you know, that kind of crap. That's why they call it naked. And they probably had a bazillion wax too, but, uh, so they they normally will respond, you know, if I leave something in the cart laying around or if yeah. I have questions or something. And, you know, it's so hard just to call them or figure out where a phone number is. But sure, that texting sure is nice. And somehow they've got it integrated with the chat bot on their site. So yeah. uh, it's, all, it's all tied in there together. So here's like a thing for like business owners. You got to mm-hmm. ask yourself, where do we cut costs? And mm-hmm. one of the areas that I think is kind of being outsourced completely is reception. And, you know, in our salons, you think about this, I, I don't like this experience. I mean, millennials, Gen Z, you walk into a salon or something, you got to go talk to somebody. You're the only one in the waiting area. You sit down, you're on your phone, but you feel weird because there's somebody else right there in the room with you. And you feel like you got to talk to them and it's awkward and stuff. I just don't like that experience. I'd rather just be on TikTok on my own. When they call me back, cool. I'm going to go back there and, and do my thing. And so really reception is kind of obsolete if you do things right. So mm-hmm. when you walk into a Hello Sugar, well, our flagships, not the one-room studios, but the flagships, mm-hmm. there's an iPad that you check in on. Mm-hmm. They get a text message or a watch uh, notification to the esthetician, letting them know immediately that somebody's there. Mm-hmm. And the esthetician will take them back when it's time. There's no way for the client to go into the back area where the rooms are. It's locked. There's no product up front to steal. Mm-hmm. And we are completely receptionless in the salons. And oh, wow. to five to $7,000 extra profit a month. Oh, yeah. Flag- Oh, totally. You know, cause yeah, that, that makes complete sense. I mean, yeah. having, having that front desk and having a, a person there, but I mean, yeah, people know what they're coming in for. They're coming in to get, you know, waxed and 
wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, and get get to get her done. You know, they, it's not like they need somebody to talk to at the front desk. And even then, you know, you know, it's just kind of, I don't know, whatever. It's kind of pointing directions. But, you know, once you're, I think this is kind of the future where brick and mortar is going, more to a technological thing. Well, I think, I think it's going to be led in California. So California, the biggest tech place in the world. And right now the laws are being passed. And I don't know if you've seen some of the stuff on there, but it's like $24 an hour is what they want to move fast food workers up to. And the result of that is, you know, McDonald's is going to come out and say, we just don't need somebody at the front. We'll just have a kiosk. We already do it in a lot of places. You just order. Yeah, they do in a lot of places. Taco Bell, Del Taco. I've, I've I've been to places in Vegas and California where, you, you have to order off this giant touchscreen menu if you want yeah. something. And you're just like looking at the counter going, is there anybody alive around here? Yeah. I think they're doing more than that. Yeah. I think Taco Bell has like a, there's some news reports and they've got a picture of it. They have a two-story building they're putting in. The top part is just machines that make your food and serve it and then drop it down to you through a pneumatic tube or something. And they're like, have fun with that. I've seen franchises of a Starbucks remake and it's literally mm-hmm. just it's an automated store without any humans inside of it and the more yeah. that we push this higher wage like minimum mm-hmm. wages it's great that people have a, enough to live but I, I think it's going to push a lot of people out of the service industry to be replaced mm-hmm. by robots and faster yeah. than we're thinking yeah that's kind of how progress works the ai works i mean it's just it's just one of those things who are the people back in the what was it the 1400s or 1600s or the people they call people who are resistant to change and technology i forget we had somebody on the show from oxford that talked about it once but you know it's just it's just a matter of fact and time i mean i'm actually surprised it hasn't happened sooner you know taxi drivers being replaced by you know, automation, cars, and stuff like that. I've been seeing a lot of that popping up, even down your way in Arizona. You know, big time in Arizona because we don't have weather. You know, there's no rain for it to block the lines on the road if 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 needed for the time. There you go. And so, yeah, they just have to run over those geckos or rattlesnakes and stuff and all that. <laughs> or scorpions. Scorpions yeah. run over the scorpions. Damn it! <laughs> I don't like. I live in Vegas. I don't like scorpions at all either. Fortunately, yeah. I've only seen one the whole time I've been there. It's kind of weird. So what about your business that we talked about that people should know about? Yeah, I think I think from the franchise side, you know, people are interested in franchising. This is a unique opportunity because it's a low startup cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, as of last year, it was about 65000 the average profit of a one-room mm-hmm. studio suite. <clears throat> Top quartile, we're making like 115000 And then on our flagships, once they get turned into a flagships, uh, it's between one hundred fifty to two hundred fifty thousand that the flagships were making on average, wow. uh, yeah, of profit. And those things happen after you prove the business model in the tiny suite. And mm-hmm. so one of the one of the benefits of our company is that we're looking for all the ways to automate. Mm-hmm. The average franchise owner running a salon suite concept like ours inside of our company mm-hmm. is three to ten hours a week of work. Wow. Yeah. All right, so, I'm quitting. I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to go do this Brazilian thing. Yeah. Like this. And the, the way we did that, again, this is really innovative. <laughs> but, you know, we looked at what a manager does. Mm-hmm. And we had these problems where we hired these managers that were the best estheticians. And they're amazing estheticians, but they weren't always mm-hmm. amazing managers. It wasn't what they, they were uh, school for. Yeah. And you think they would translate, but they always they don't always translate. No. And so we'd have to fire our manager, who is like an awesome person, awesome esthetician. We just lost our best esthetician because the management was poor, right? Yeah. So we start we started saying, okay, what do we need to do 
to have a manager and have all of the things that a manager does, but not have an esthetician because we can't afford the high end, you know, C-suite level managers in, in a salon like this. Mm-hmm. So just like we did with our reception being overseas, we actually offshored all of our management for the salons. Really? Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. There you go. So, so like, how do they, how do they manage? Do they manage, do they video in or how does that? Yeah. So like the things that a manager for a salon are going to do is it's going to be setting up schedules, blocks on the schedules. They're going to be making sure the inventory is stocked for the rooms. The rooms are clean and they're going to take care of clients that are upset and they're going to take care of clients that like text in that need something. And then they're going to run through feedback online and stuff. And the feedback section, we just use AI. So we take the comments that are coming in through, you know, different reviews and we just say, hey, respond in this voice. They put it into our AI feedback robot and it creates a response that we spit out and put onto Facebook and Google. Wow. And then for the rest of it, you know, there's there's this intangible piece of management of you know working one-on-ones. So we don't allow mm-hmm. them to do that. We have a we have an esthetician who's a great esthetician, and her mm-hmm. job is to be a success coach. She's a friend, she trains on specific things in the salon. She does one meeting a month with the team that we have in-house and we pay her a a nominal but a good wage to be able to do that side as well but mainly the bulk of the admin stuff is done through overseas workers wow you got this down yeah it's pretty cool yeah i mean you you've cut the overhead of of what can really muck with you and then yeah i mean people that do stuff good don't always make good managers it's true i I learned that i i would try and promote great salespeople, and i'm like well if you're a great salesperson you might you must be a great sales manager. No. <laughs> yeah, they like both. That's usually you. I don't know. Put your worst salesperson in that job or something. I don't know. Yeah. So there you go. So give us your. What What does it take for those who might be listening that would be interested in franchising with you guys? What's the sort of specs that they need to have to to possibly look at getting one of those? Yeah, I mean it's a, it's not a hard build like all the a lot of businesses. So. And a franchise owner would be someone that has maybe five to 10 hours a week on the side. They don't have to quit their job. They can keep doing this. We're going to help through the setup process. We'll help the hiring process to get them up and trained. We're going to go through and do all the marketing for them. All the marketing is automated as well. I'm sure you can tell with the way that we build this. So we do all the marketing. We'll get them fully booked or close to fully booked by the time they open and up and running. And so somebody who has, you know, around 50 to 60,000 in in capital can start up Mm -hmm. a franchise unit somewhere. And it's a lot of upfront work, you know, for those first two months. But then if they have about 10, five to 10 hours a week to put it towards the business, then they can keep this running. And then they have the understanding that once it's profitable and they've built the business out, that they would apply for an SBA loan, which is a government backed loan uh, Uh to build this out into a flagship within three and a half years. Wow. So do they have to find uh, a a shop they can set up in a back room with? with, Oh, so there's... There's a really cool concept in franchising called salon suites. I think we work mm-hmm. for salons. So there's oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we we built a custom software that tells us all the best places to go based on like mm. our performance in other markets. And we find all the, we have a repository of all of the salon suites in the country. And we mm. basically say, okay, based on these demographics, this income level, this type of percentage of females, this is the right area. Here's the salon suites in that area. Go contact them. It'll take one hour maybe to find the right one. And mm-hmm. then we're ready to go, ready to roll. There you go. Yeah, because you definitely want to have a lot of, in an area where there's some ladies that love, love to do this and all that good stuff. So yeah. that's probably important. You don't want to, you know, I mean, guys do this too. I know it's a, yeah, it's not so. a huge amount, but yeah, it's true. We do have guys. <laughs> what percentage amount of guys do it? But I'm just I'm curious. Surprised. 
five to ten percent are guys. Really? Wow. There yeah. you go. Well, you know, it's you know, you gotta be built for speed, whatever the hell that means. And <laughs> yeah. you can't you gotta be aerodynamic, man. You can't be slowing shit down. Can't you can't be having a drive program. There's nothing worse than when when you're dealing with something, you know, you're thick there in the bush. It's like Predator where you're deep in the, the Iwo Jima of Vietnam or whatever. I don't know. It's just shit. And you got a machete and you're just like, it's in here somewhere, honey. I don't know. I don't know what that means. I can hear. I can hear it. It's close. Whatever. Yeah. Marco. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's right. Those, that's right. We've all those nights uh, after the clubs. So there you go. So give us your final pitch out to people as we go out. Tell them where they can onboard and reach out to you guys to find out more information. Regardless yeah, of you know, like things I, they're looking for. I've got a passion just for business and people helping helping people start small businesses. And so you know, whether it's franchising or other things, you can reach me at Brigham at Hello Sugar Salon is my email address, or you can just you know find find franchising information on Brigham or Hello Sugar Salon. But or follow me on TikTok, Brigham Dallas, and message me. You know, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. I'd, I'd love to help people, if, if not just with Hello Sugar, but just in general. I, I love seeing people start businesses and grow. That's my passion. There you go. Pay it forward, and they can book online too. This is you go right to it. Book your appointment. You can text this number or click yeah. the button to do the thing twenty four seven. That's the other great thing about the texting is you can book and do the stuff twenty four seven as opposed to you know the worst thing I hate, especially nowadays, is oh, oh are you calling us after hours? Yeah. We're only yeah. open from ten to two. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like on weekends. Yeah, we actually have people overseas. It's their daytime, right? Because they're in Asia. It's oh, their daytime, or nighttime. Yeah. We have a night sh- our night shift of people that book appointments for us. So it's twenty four seven. We can do appointments on Brazilian waxing. There you go. That's awesome. I might try one. Well, thank you very much, Brigham, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it, man. Chris, man, it was a pleasure, man. I enjoyed talking to you. It was really fun. That's we we do some of that on the show. There you go. Let's get, give us the dot the dot to whatever there one more time. Bring them at hellosugar.salon. And if you want to find out about franchising, hellosugar.salon. There you go. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. We certainly appreciate it. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, Chris Foss one on the tickety talking the aisles of the places. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time.